If you'd remain standing for this morning's scripture, which comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, was one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated. Pharaoh may need to take some ice home after church and soak his hands. (laughs) He was moving. I want to begin this morning by uh, thanking everyone for such a wonderful Easter and Holy Week. Uh, So many of you volunteer in different ways uh, to help make our worship services so meaningful, and so uh, thank you. Thank you to our music staff and choir. Uh, The pieces prepared were wonderful, and um, thank you to everyone who hid eggs, who stuffed eggs, who served cake, who ate cake. And who did all of the other things that uh, made Easter and our celebration of Holy Week so wonderful. Thank you. I want to begin this morning by uh, inviting you to think about our scripture passage as we're reading it today from the Gospel of John. This passage follows our reading from last week, which would be our reading on Easter morning, where we have read of Mary Magdalene having discovered the empty tomb. We read of Mary encountering the risen Christ, and then today we join the disciples in the home where they are staying in Jerusalem. It's the evening of the first day, and the disciples Peter and John have gone to the tomb, they've looked in there, they've seen it's empty, they've wondered what it's meant, they've gone back, they've told the other disciples what has happened. Mary Magdalene has now joined them, rejoined them. She has told them, I have seen the Lord. And it's the evening of the first day, and they're contemplating what it all means. They're contemplating while the clothes are tossed aside, while Jesus' wrap that went around his head is folded and laying there nicely. Mary Magdalene is telling them what Peter and John have seen is true, and then she's also saying what she herself has experienced, which is that she had seen Jesus, and if you'll remember, he told her to go and tell the others what you have seen. And so now they're gathered together. They're behind locked doors and they are wondering how this has happened. And was it supposed to happen this way? 
See, I think the first Easter as we continue it is still a time for most of the disciples. It's not a time of overwhelming joy yet. Because they are those who have traveled with Jesus. They've seen so much. They've witnessed the miracles. They've heard testimonies. They had uh, seen or heard the sermons. They had listened to the parables. They had had Jesus pull them aside and say, now this is what this parable really means. You need to remember this. With Jesus, they had imagined that they were going to go to the top of the world. And the movement that he had started, this uh, movement within the Jewish faith had so much promise and so many things were going right as, as word was spreading and the crowds were growing and people were hearing about it and they're believing that Jesus is the Son of God and then now this. How quickly their expectations have fallen and they were, once were at top of the world and now they're behind locked doors. Friends, understandably, the disciples are still low in spirit as they sit together to process what the last three years with Jesus has really meant for them. I'm sure they still ask themselves, what did it all mean? I'm sure they are saying, did it happen in the way that we now remember it? I'm sure they are wondering uh, what is supposed to happen next. And so they've gone behind locked doors and they are now in this changed place from the joy and the openness that they had experienced with Jesus to where they're now huddled together. And their optimism that they once had has been replaced with little hope. And so they've locked themselves and they've isolated themselves from the outside. Or perhaps they've insulated themselves on the inside to give themselves security as, as they wonder what their next course of action is going to be now that Jesus of Nazareth is gone. You know, it's easy or it's interesting to think about their reaction. This is the group that heard Jesus talk. This is the group that heard Jesus talk about how the kingdom of God would be open to sinners who, who turned from their sin and who returned to him. This is now the group who's huddled at home in fear. And so it's interesting to think that those who heard firsthand Jesus' message of repentance and response to God and his grace are now hiding away out of fear. Fear of what's happened, fear of what might happen, fear of uh, what will happen in the disciples' events surrounding the crucifixion that we read a little bit last week. We see how they were fully human as they sought to deal with their fear. And as now they allow fear to dictate their response and their actions, and they allow fear to dictate who they are as followers of Jesus Christ. You know, in a lot of ways, it was warranted, their fear. They're facing trial, they're facing the unknown, they're facing difficulty, they're facing whatever it is that you can put into their mind and now they've locked themselves away. I think part of their isolation is positive. Sometimes when, when we're overwhelmed and things are happening in our lives, it's, only, it's natural for us to, to want to step back and take some time to process. It's natural for us to need to give ourselves that time and that space. But I think there's a problem when it goes beyond just stepping back and preparing and then fully re-engaging. And maybe what they were thinking about is the way that they had acted in the final day of Jesus' life. Most of them fled. 
Most of them in some way denied him, not all of them to the degree that Peter did. They all ran, they all forsake, and, and I think part of their isolation was, was them preparing and, 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 and analyzing and thinking. I think part of their isolation was spiritual because there's nothing that the evil one wants more than for disheartened Christians to isolate themselves from the Christian community. We play straight into the hands. When we choose to isolate ourselves, when things don't go our way and we lock ourselves away. And so for the disciples, what they did, things didn't go their way. Things didn't go the way they'd envisioned them. Things went exactly the way Jesus had told them they would go, but they weren't yet in the place where they could look at the resurrection and they had seen him and they could start lining it all up and go, oh my gosh, everything he said to us was true. They weren't there yet. Now, I mean, we have the benefit, right, of being able to, to look at, at the whole uh, amount of Scripture that we receive in the Gospels and, and reading of even the New Testament letters and Acts and seeing and receiving what the disciples later figured out for themselves. But at this point and in this time and in this place, they're doing exactly what the evil one wanted them to do, which was to isolate themselves. And that's our reaction too sometimes. Especially when we know that, that maybe there are things that are happening that are uncomfortable, unsettling, or challenging. It's easier for us to be like them. Now the problem is when our locked doors become the norm. In the way we interact. In the way we reach out to others. And even in the way that we attempt to follow Jesus. I think it's interesting, and it leapt out at me as I was reading this scripture this morning. So there's, there's two instances in these scriptures that we've read where Jesus appears to the disciples. Well, in the first one, Jesus appears to them gathered there. He appears in their midst. Uh, they're behind locked doors. He offers them the word shalom or peace. He tells them peace. He tells them have comfort. He tells them be reassured to these men and these women who have traveled with him for three years. He's offering peace to the ones who had forsaken him and betrayed him, who have abandoned him or just stood back and watched it all unfold. Every one of them was guilty. But Jesus could have said to each of them, where were you? Why didn't you? Or I told you what was going to happen, happen. But instead, what does he offer them? He offers them peace and he offers them forgiveness. Peace to a group who is gathered together in fear. Peace to a group that have allowed the events of the prior days to overcome them. Peace to a group who has uh, run out of hope as they're just trying to figure out a way to move forward. Peace to those who have abandoned and forsaken and, and betrayed him. And Jesus has come to them to equip them. And to tell them that the, just as the Father has sent him, now he is going to breathe upon them and send them as he himself was sent. See, there's two appearances here, though. The first, you know, um, Jesus comes to the disciples and, and he appears before them and he says, peace be with you. And, and he breathes upon them. And then Thomas comes in and, and says that, you know, he's not going to believe unless he sees Jesus himself.
And so it's only in that second time that Thomas returned, that Jesus returns. But I, I think it's important for us to note, and, and I've always just overread this part. As Jesus appeared to Thomas and the disciples a week later. Did you catch that? Where it said, a week later his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he spoke to Thomas. And he offered him the opportunity to touch his hands, to touch his side, and to see that it was really him. But he did this so that he could send them. He did this as John 20, uh, verse 21, 22, and 23 says. So that he could come and breathe upon them the Holy Spirit. And in giving them the Holy Spirit, he is enabling them to be able to step forward in their faith, enabling them to step forward in ministry, enabling them to step forward in mission and service, evangelism. He's sending them forward to spread the word. But I think for him to offer them these gifts, the first thing he had to give them, and more importantly, the first thing the disciples had to receive for themselves and accept for themselves was they had to receive forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgiveness to those like John, the beloved disciple, who believed but did not yet understand. Forgiveness to Peter, who had denied Jesus three times there in the courtyard at Caiaphas' house. Forgiveness to every one of those disciples who had fled from the garden when the guards came or who were unwilling to be seen at the foot of the cross or who stood at a distance and watched what was happening so that they could see what happened but they wouldn't be involved in what was happening. Friends, forgiveness had to be offered at the very beginning of the resurrection for the disciples and for all of humanity to become an Easter people. Forgiveness, because no relationship with Jesus is possible unless it is first grounded in the realization that Christ first loves us and that he gave himself for us and that in love he offers us his forgiveness. Forgiveness was at the heart of his ministry as we leave our sin and as we embrace his grace so that just as Jesus forgave, so his disciples were to forgive as they left their own sin, and as they invited others to leave theirs and follow Him. Friends, in today's Gospel reading, we see our God who comes back to His betrayers and He forgives. Betrayers not in the sense that they were the ones that, that nailed Jesus to the cross or applied the scourge to His back or anything else. But betrayers in the sense that they walked away and left him all alone in that time. But he gave them forgiveness. Just as he forgives us so that we can unlock the doors in our lives. And we can go on. He forgives us so that we can move forward in faith by following him. He forgives us so that we're not trapped by our failure and by our sin. He instead leaves us 
the only hope, and that's the hope that comes through the resurrection. Amen.